What's going on, my far, far away family? How's everyone doing today? All is well on my side of the galaxy. Separatists are complaining about the Empire, and the Rebels are trying to overthrow it. Everything is the way it should be. Which means we can get back to the history of the Rule of Two. Because when we left Bane last week, he and his new apprentice Xana were headed back to the Sith camp. So let's see what's going on now. The great warship of Lord Valentine Farfalla, leader of the Jedi Army of Light since the loss of General Hoth, maintained a slow orbit high above Rusan's surface. Fashioned so that her exterior resembled an ancient sailing barge, the vessel had an archaic elegance, a grandeur that some felt was a sign of vanity unbecoming in a Jedi. Johan Othon, a young Padawan in the Army of Light, had once shared that opinion. Like many of Hoth's followers, he had initially regarded Lord Valentine as nothing but a prancing fool concerned only with brightly colored shimmer silk shirts, the long flowing curls of his golden hair, and the other trappings of garish and gaudy fashion. Yet in battle after battle against the Brotherhood of Darkness, Farfalla and his followers had proved their worth. Slowly, almost grudgingly, Johan and the rest of Hoth's troops had come to admire and even respect the man they once had scoffed at. Now General Hoth was gone, destroyed along with the Sith in their final confrontation, and in his absence, it was Lord Valentine who'd taken up the banner of leadership. Following Hoth's orders, Farfalla had organized the mass evacuation of Rusan before the detonation of the Thought Bomb, saving thousands of Force-sensitive Jedi and Padawans from its devastating effects by loading them onto the ships of his orbiting fleet. It was mere chance that Johan had ended up here on the Fairwind, Valentine's flagship. The vessel was large enough to hold a crew of over 300 comfortably, but crammed into the hold with nearly 500 other evacuees, the young man was anything but comfortable. They were packed in so tightly it was difficult to move. Jedi Masters, Jedi Knights, and Padawans were pressed shoulder to shoulder. The other ships were just as full. In addition to the Jedi, the vast majority of the non-Force-sensitive troops who had joined Hoth's cause had also been taken off-world. One of the ships had even been loaded up with several hundred prisoners. The non-Sith followers of Lord Khan, who had quickly surrendered to the Jedi when their Dark Leader had abandoned them to embark on his final mad plan to destroy the Jedi. There wasn't any real danger for these ordinary soldiers. The Thought Bomb only affected those most attuned to the Force. But in the haste to evacuate, it had been simpler to just take everyone. Here on Valentine's personal galleon, however, Johan recognized nearly every face. He had fought beside them for many months, through ambushes, skirmishes, and full-scale battles. Together, they had borne witness to death and bloodshed, tasted glorious triumph and endured crushing defeat. Each of them had seen many foes and too many friends die, as they'd waged a seemingly endless campaign against the forces of the dark side. Now, as they huddled together in this ship, the war was finally over. Victory was theirs at last. Yet every being aboard wore a grim and somber mask. The extinction of the Sith had come with a terrible price. 
There was no doubt about what had happened, no hope that any of the Jedi still down on the surface had survived. Orbiting high above Rusan, they had been safely outside the blast radius of the Thought Bomb. But through the Force, they had heard the agonized screams of their fellow Jedi, as their spirits were torn apart and swept up in the swirling vortex of dark side energy. Many of the survivors had wept openly. Most simply endured the suffering in stoic silence, reflecting on the sacrifice others had made. Johan, like Tharfala and virtually every other member of the Army of Light, had volunteered to stay behind with General Hoth. But the General had refused. Knowing that those who stayed with him faced certain death, he had ordered all but a hundred of his Jedi followers off the world. None of the Padawans had been allowed to remain. Yet even though he was only following orders, Johan couldn't help but feel he'd betrayed his general by fleeing the planet. Okay, I gotta get this out of the way right now. What is up with all these Jedis being called Lord? Lord Farfalla, Lord Hoth, I don't know what Drew was thinking. Lord has always been a dark side thing from my understanding. But anyway, this chapter starts off with Drew describing Farfalla's ship, the Fairwind. What kind of name is that for a ship? There's no wind in space, there ain't even no air in space. Then to top it off, it was made to look like a sailing barge. This is hard for me to imagine. The first thing that popped into my head was a pirate ship floating through space. I know that's just hella crazy to think about. But what can you do? That's what Drew said. This is when we're introduced to some new characters. Johan is a human male teen, the former Padawan of Lord Hoth. If your master dies, you should automatically become a master. That's what happens with the Sith. You kill your master, you become the master. Now I know Johan didn't kill Hoth, but still, his master is dead so he should be able to become the master. But Johan is shoved into Farfalla's ship and saved from the Thought Bomb. Wait a minute, in the final chapter of the first book, they were all still on the surface of Rusan. But in this book, they were all shoved into ship. That's two different stories from what happened in one trilogy. Once again, I don't know what Drew was thinking. So you got every Force-sensitive person on Rusan onto all of these ships. It was described that it was a little bit crowded. But it is okay because the war was over, even though you couldn't tell it by the faces of the passengers. They all had a disturbed look. Well, they knew the Hoth and their other friends were dead. Well, were they supposed to throw a party? And the Force had confirmed that they were dead. They heard the screams through the Force. Some of them even cried. You know that has to be very scary when you think about it. Remember in A New Hope when the Empire blew up Alderaan and Obi-Wan said it was like a million voices cried out to him and then just fell silent? Could you imagine just hearing people scream in pain and then just nothing? The Force doesn't seem all that great now, does it? Across the densely packed hold, he could just make out Farfalla. His bright red blouse standing out like a beacon among the sea of mostly brown-clad bodies. He was organizing the rescue parties that would be shuttled back down to Rusan's surface to deal with the aftermath of the Thought Bomb, and Johan was determined to be among them. It was difficult to move through the mass of Jedi, but Johan was small and slight. He was 19, but he had yet to fill out, and with his slender build, fair skin, and shoulder-length light blonde hair, twisted into a tight braid, as was the custom for a young Jedi still in training, he looked at least two years younger. It could be frustrating to be mistaken for a kid, but now, as he twisted and slithered through the throng, he was grateful for his slim physique. Lord Valentine, he called as he drew near. He raised his voice further to be heard above the din. Lord Valentine! Farfalla turned, trying to pick out the owner of the voice from the wall of bodies and faces, then gave a nod of recognition as the young man finally burst into view. Padawan Johan. I want to join the rescue teams, Johan blurted. Send me back down. I'm afraid I cannot do that, 
The Jedi Master replied with a sympathetic shake of his head. Why not? Johan demanded. Do you think I'm too young? That is not, Farfalla began, but Johan cut him off. I'm not a kid. I'm 19, older than those two for sure, he insisted, waving his hand in the direction of the nearest rescue team. A group consisting of a middle-aged man with a short beard, a woman in her 20s, and two boys in their early teens. Be aware of your anger, Farfalla cautioned him, his voice stern. Johan was about to reply, but instead bit his tongue and merely nodded. There was no point in getting upset. That would not convince Lord Valentine to let him go along. Your age has nothing to do with my decision. The older Jedi explained once he was assured that Johan had brought his emotions under control. Fully a third of our forces are younger than you. It was true, Johan realized. The mounting casualties of the Rusan campaign had forced the Army of Light to accept younger and younger recruits into its ranks. His youth was not the issue. There had to be some other explanation. But instead of asking why he could not go, Johan simply remained silent. Patience would win him more from General Hoth's successor than incessant, thoughtless questions. Take a closer look at who I am sending down, Farfalla instructed. These are brave volunteers, valuable allies in our battle against the Sith. But none of them is attuned to the Force. Surprised, Johan took a second look at the shore party as they made their final preparations. The woman had dark skin and short black hair, and the Jedi realized he'd met her once before. She was a Republic soldier named Irtana, and she had joined their cause a little over a standard year earlier. It took him a moment longer to place the others, until he noticed the resemblance between the bearded man and the two teenagers. They were natives of Rusan. The man was a farmer named Bordon, who had fled before the advancing armies of Lord Khan during the latest Sith offensive. The two boys were his sons, though Johan couldn't recall their names. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. We do not know the full extent of the Thought Bomb's effects, Farfalla continued. There may be aftershocks that could harm or even kill a Jedi or Padawan. That is why you cannot go. Johan nodded. It made sense. Valentine was just being cautious. But sometimes it was possible to be too cautious. There are other risks on the surface, he noted. We don't know that all the Sith are dead. Some of them may have survived. Farfalla shook his head. Khan had some spell, some power over his followers. They were enthralled to his will. When he led them down into the cave, they all followed him willingly. He had them convinced they could survive the Thought Bomb if they united their power. But he was wrong. What about the Sith minions? Johan pressed, unwilling to let the matter drop. Like the Jedi, the Sith had their share of followers who were not attuned to the Force. Soldiers and mercenaries who had allied themselves with the Brotherhood of Darkness. 
We didn't capture them all, the young Padawan pointed out. Some of them fled the battle, they'll still be down there. That's what this is for, the woman soldier assured him, patting the blaster on her hip. She gave a fierce smile, her gleaming white teeth contrasting sharply with her dark complexion. Hirtana knows how to take care of herself, Farfalla agreed. She's seen more combat than you and me put together. Please, Lord Valentine, Johan begged, dropping to one knee. A vain and foolish gesture, but he was desperate. He knew Farfalla was right, but he didn't care. He didn't care about logic or reason or even the dangers of the thought bomb. He just couldn't sit by doing nothing. Please. He was my master. Farfalla reached out with his hand and placed it tenderly on Johan's forehead. Hoth warned me that his decision to send you away would not rest easily on your shoulders. He said softly, But your master was a wise man. He knew what was best for you, as do I. You must trust my judgment in this, even if you do not fully understand it. Removing his hand from the young man's brow, the new leader of the Army of Light took Johan by the arm and helped him to his feet. Your master made a great sacrifice to save us all. He said, If we give in to our emotions now, if we allow ourselves to come to needless harm, then we dishonor what he has done. Do you understand? Johan nodded, a Padawan acquiescing to the greater wisdom of a Jedi Master. Good, Farfalla said, turning away to focus his attention on one of the other rescue teams. If you want to help, give Ritana a hand loading up their supplies. Johan nodded again, though Farfalla didn't notice. He was already gone, whisked away by the responsibilities of his position. So after a minute, Johan is squirming through the crowd. He's trying to get to Farfalla. By the time he finally does, he asks if he could go with the search parties down to Rusan. Farfalla tells him that he couldn't go, there's no way. When Johan tries to plead his case and says that he wasn't too young to go, Farfalla tells him that that's not the reason why. They don't know if the thought bomb would still affect Jedi, or anybody that's force sensitive. But he keeps on questioning the new leader of the Army of Light, stating that there might still be Sith left. Farfalla tells the young man that the Sith were all fools that follow Khan to their own doom. Basically, that's what I took from this statement. But Johan still presses the issue, asking about the Sith followers. Now, at this point, Johan is just getting annoying. This is when a lady soldier named Artana stepped in and said that her blaster was for those people. Farfalla tells Johan that she knew what she was doing, but Johan still pressed the issue. Farfalla tells him that he must trust him. This is when Johan starts to beg. He dropped to one knee and said he was his master. He was talking about Hoth. Farfalla tells him that his master had warned him that Johan would not take this well. What kind of Panawad is going to take his master dying well? I think that the Jedi sometimes forget that their Padawan are people, that they have feelings. Oh, wait a minute, the Jedi are not supposed to have feelings. They're supposed to suppress their feelings. Anyway, Farfella tells Johan that if he wants to help, he can do that by loading Ertana's ship. And that's what the young man did. Working in silence, Johan helped load the last few supplies into the shuttle. Field kits filled with rations and water capsules, med packs in case they came across any wounded, electro binoculars, and a sensor pack for scouting and recon, glow rods for when night fell. And of course, spare power packs for the blasters Ertana and the others carried in case they encountered any surviving minions from Khan's army. Thank you, Ertana said once they were done. Trying to appear casual, Johan took a quick look around. Farfalla was nowhere to be seen. Did you want to fly us down or should I? He asked her. 
The words were easy, but as he said them, he reached out with the force to touch her mind. He did it gently, being careful not to cause her any harm as he planted the seed of a suggestion. Her eyes glazed over momentarily and a look of blank confusion crossed her face. Um, I'll fly us down, I guess. You can take the co-pilot's chair. You're coming with us? Bordon, the middle-aged father, asked. From his tone, it was obvious he had doubts. Of course, Johan replied amicably. You all heard him say I should help you load up the supplies, right? Why else would he say that if I wasn't going with you? As he had done with Irtana, he gave another slight push, adding the mind-altering power of the Force to the half-truth. Normally, he would have abhorred the idea of manipulating friends or allies in this fashion, but in this case, he knew the ragtag rescue team would fare better if he accompanied them. Yeah, right, Bordon agreed after a moment. Good to have you along. Makes sense to have a Jedi with us, Yurtana added. Just in case. Persuading someone through the Force was always easier when it was something they wanted to be convinced of, Johan noted. Still, he felt a slight twinge of guilt as he climbed into the small ship-to-surface shuttle. That's only because you're disobeying Farfalla, he reassured himself. You're doing the right thing. Everyone strap in, Yurtana ordered, speaking over the pressurized hiss as the airlock sealed. The shuttle's engines flared to life, lifting them off the docking platform. Back home to Rusan, or at least what's left of it. Bordon muttered glumly as they drifted through the cargo hold doors and out into the upper reaches of the planet's atmosphere. Now, as soon as they finished loading the ship, Johan used a Jedi mind trick to convince Artana to let him go. Sneaky little Jedi. This is when Bordon, another passenger, asked if he was going with them. Johan gives Bordon a simple answer and pushes with the Force. This kid is going to turn into a Sith. He has some dark side tendencies. But both Ortan and Bordon agree with him coming. Of course they did. He used the Force on them. Now, Johan said it is easy to use the Force on them when it is what they want. Artana said it herself. It is always better to have a Jedi come along. This is when he starts to feel guilty. He should feel guilty. He just used the force on his allies. Not very Jedi-like if you ask me. But they all climb on board and fly down to the surface. And that's where the chapter comes to an end. It wasn't the best chapter ever. It was kind of boring. But you have to have the chapters like this to complete the story. I wish Bane and Xana was in the chapter. But what can you do? Now let's get to the quote for this week. And it comes to us from Earl Nightingale. And he said, never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish. The time will pass anyway. Basically, he is saying that time doesn't wait on no one. Time is going to keep on moving, whether you do or not. Your goals have to be so important to you that you are executing them now. Time keeps on moving even if your dream does not. So don't waste a lot of time planning and waiting. Just get started doing something because time is not going to wait on you. And I think that's all for today. Don't forget to join us next week as we cover chapter three of this amazing book. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. Sound design by Theodore Thompson, research by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.